church family. It is good to see you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Um, today Sorry, is, oh Siri, quit talking to me. Um, today is a day of firsts for me. Uh, first time I've preached since the turn 60. <laughs> Thank you all. So many of you uh, wish me happy birthday this week. Um, you'd have been embarrassed by what the, some of the people who work here did to my office. Um, I should have showed you the video, but uh, uh, it's been a great week. Thank you for that. But it is a day of first for that. It's a day of first because I'm going to preach with my iPad for the first time. I've taught with it before, but I'm going to give it a shot. I thought, okay, you're 60 years old. You need to start using technology more. Uh, it's also a first for me. Um, this is the first Sunday that I can say I'm grateful to have my daughter, Mackenzie, and my son-in-law, Ray Sandroni, here today. Uh, they're in town for the weekend. We've been running all over the world, but uh, that's just weird, uh, but we're thankful. They got married back in May, and I'm uh, thankful for them being here, but uh, uh, it is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so grateful that you're here. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. Please, please, please come back next Sunday. Uh, hopefully, Pastor Matt will be uh, back and, and well and here, and you want to hear him preach. If you're watching Pastor Matt, we love you, and uh, we miss you, and uh, we look forward to uh, you being back in the pulpit, but everybody in the room is praying for you, and we look forward to you being better. So, look, we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter 5, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 15, so if you want to get your Bible out, we're just kind of be all over the place for a little bit. Uh, let me just give you some, some cool stats here. If you have your order of service, you see there, our main statement is, change is inevitable, but growth is optional, and God's heart for, is for us to grow as believers. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. God's heart is for us to grow as believers. Today, 2.4 billion, that's with a B, 2.4 billion emails are sent out every second. That's 74 trillion every year and growing. That's 74 with 16 zeros after it. That's, I, mean, I can't even begin to number, look at that number. Almost 19 billion text messages are sent out every 24 hours. And about a third of those come to my phone. Um, <clears throat> If you include self-published books, uh, this year in 2022, there's going to be nearly 4 million books published. According to Google Book, almost 130 million books have been printed since the invention of the Gutenberg Press in 1440. Folks, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of things available to us. In 1900, the rate of human knowledge doubling was every 100 years. After World War II, that shrunk to 25 years. Now we're at a point where the rate of, of human knowledge, the amount, the, the volume of human knowledge is doubling every 12 to 13 months. And there are people who say we're well on our way to that doubling every 12 to 24 hours. We live in an incredible time. We live in an incredible time of change. We live in an incredible time of knowledge. We live in an incredible time where we can learn there is so much there, uh, and we, it, it's unprecedented that the world is changing at such a fast pace. Uh, we see you know, medical breakthroughs happening so quickly that you can't, they can't write journals fast enough. Or we just see technology changing and, and growing so much that we can't begin to fathom what it looks like. So it's an exciting time to be alive. It's an exciting time to be a part of change. And as I said, I read earlier, change is inevitable and growth is optional. If you're filling in blanks, those are the first two there. Change is inevitable, and growth is optional. Change is going to happen, but we get to choose whether or not 
uh, we are going to grow. As believers, we either grow or stagnate, we, we strengthen or stall, we develop or decline, we surge or slump, we advance or withdraw, we produce or become passive, we mature or mellow, but God's heart is for us as believers to grow in our faith, to grow so that we look, think, and act more like Jesus. So today we're going to be looking at this house grows uh, and how, how we grow in our faith. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, I could say, but back up with me, if you will, let me, let me set the, the, the the pace here set the setting for where we are in first thessalonians if you go back to um acts chapter 16 we'll start there just we're not going to read we're just going to look if you're if you have uh subtitles and titles in your in your bible beginning of the second missionary journey paul and silas are headed out timothy joins them pretty quickly um they're doing ministry, they're going back to the churches that they visited, that Paul visited on his first missionary journey, to encourage those folks to help them uh, and, and walk with them. And Paul receives a vision of the Macedonian call. A man, come over and help us. So they, they go down, they sail, and then they go to Troas, and they end up in Philippi. And on the first Sabbath there, uh, Paul does what he does. He goes to the synagogue, and then he goes out, and he finds a group of women by the river praying. And he shares the gospel with them, and a lady named Lydia becomes a believer. And we're pretty confident Lydia becomes a really strong leader in the church. But she becomes a believer. Paul and and Silas and Timothy, they're doing ministry, and God is blessing, and neat things are happening. But some folks get jealous, which always happens. And then there's some guys who have a a young girl, a slave girl, who um, has an evil spirit who allows her to predict the future. Well, she keeps coming to Paul and keeps coming to Paul and keeps coming to Paul and proclaiming that uh, they are messengers from the Lord. And after a little bit, Paul just turns and casts that, that spirit out of her. And her owners are not happy because their source of income is just going away. Well, the next thing you know, they, they get a bunch of thugs together and start a riot. And, and they drag Paul and Silas out and, and they beat them, they flog them, they put them in prison and they put them in stocks down in the middle of the prison, and at midnight that night, they're doing what I would have been doing. They were grumbling and griping and saying, I don't deserve this. No, that's not what they were doing. They were, midnight, these guys been beaten up with, that, with, no, with no cause, and they're praising the Lord, and they're singing, and there's an earthquake. And their stock's open, and the door's open, and everything happens, and all of a sudden, the jailer realizes that the doors are open, and instead of going through the embarrassment and the, the torture that's going to happen to him the next day, he draws his sword to take his own life. Paul says, no, 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 no. We're all here. It's all good. So he brings a light, and they run in, and he bows. He looks at, he looks at Paul and says, oh, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes them to his house. He binds up their wounds, and then the next morning, the magistrates find out that Paul is a Roman citizen. They have, they have beaten, brutally beaten a, a citizen of Rome without cause, without trial. It's going to be a mess if they were from Mississippi. So the magistrates come to him, and they say, hey, look, we, we, this, this is a bad. So they, they just ask, hey, look, would you just leave quietly? And a man of grace, not him. So he goes back to the home of, with Lydia. Apparently the church was meeting at Lydia's house. They go back to Lydia's home, encourages the believers, and he heads off and goes down to Thessalonica where he can start over. So they start doing ministry. He does what he does on on the Sabbath. He goes to the synagogue. He begins to preach and proclaim the truth. He's only there three weeks, and people are turning to Christ. Jews are turning to Christ. Greeks are turning to Christ. But some of the Jewish leadership are not having it. So they stir everybody up, get things all wound up, and Paul has to slip out of town. And so he goes over to Berea, 
not too far away. And he does what he does. On the Sabbath, he goes and he preaches and people are beginning to be saved. Well, the folks in Thessalonica, uh-uh, they ain't having that. So they get together up a bunch of their thugs and they go over to Berea and they go down there and stir it all up again. And again, Paul has to leave to, to preserve his life. He goes down to Athens and, and we know that that's where he, uh, the, he saw the, the uh, altar to the unknown God and he made his, uh, uh, his sermon there, his proclamation there at the Areopolis. And then he heads down to Corinth. So quick story there, that's, that's how we get to where Paul is in Corinth. So if you flip over now to 1 Thessalonians, I always remember when I was remembering my books of the Bible, uh, uh, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then there's the long T's, the middle-sized T's, and then one T. T- Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus. Um, that, that's just how I've always remembered them. But so when you get to the first, the long, first long T, we're going to get to 1 Thessalonians. Now, Paul loved these people. He was only there less than a month, about three Sabbaths he was there. But God was working in those people's lives. God was working in the lives of people there. And he fell in love with these folks. And after he goes, ends up in Corinth, he sends Timothy back to check on these guys, these folks that he loves so dearly. <coughs> Excuse me. So he, um, he, he's, he's writing to them because Timothy's come back and said, Oh, Paul, they're doing so well. They're growing in their faith. They're living out their faith. Even in the midst of incredible persecution, I mean, they were persecuted. The persecution started with Paul when they ran him out of town. But this church was still facing persecution. And there's, but these folks, they're still growing. And God is still at work. And he's still doing incredible things in their lives. And he's so pumped for them. So he writes this letter back to them to encourage them, to how, tells them how much he loves them, how, how excited he is for them. And there's some questions. They have some questions about the resurrection. Some of them have been told maybe they missed the resurrection or their loved ones had missed the resurrection and Paul's like no 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 no. that's not how it works and we one of the passages of scripture that we read at funerals all the time about the second coming and how that's all going to look and how the dead in Christ are going to be raised up first um and he you know we when we if you if you go to a cemetery um we we always lay caskets in the ground with the head at the west so they're facing east so when Jesus comes in the eastern sky, that, that's, that's what they're going to see. That's how, if you ever wondered, that's why nearly every cemetery you go to, they're all facing that way. And that's the reason. So that when, they, when Jesus comes back and he begins to raise up the dead in Christ, the first thing they're going to see is him. But, so he's answering those questions. And then Paul's a master writer. This is, not, this is his closing thoughts. And this is not just, you know, I probably ought to say that. It's amazing, you know, if you're reading through the Bible with us and you're using the read scripture app it's such a neat thing to see how they they show how paul puts together these letters well they do that with all the books this is how the book is arranged this is how it's put together well paul's put this together in these movements and then at the end this is his closing statement so this is not an add-on this is paul's crescendo okay this is paul encouraging this young group of believers and it's a word that he sent to that very young church and it is a word that he sends to this 172 year old congregation uh, that's been on this corner for more than 160 years. This is a, a word for us, just like it was for them. So let, let me just start. We're going to start in verse 14. Uh, it's going to be on the, on the screen here. Um, this section of the, in my Bible says final instructions, and he talks about how to uh, encourage those folks who are in leadership. And then verse 14, And we urge you, brothers, yours may say brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, 
Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. So here we go. He's given this closing letter, and he gives us some, some, just some instructions about how to live out our faith, some instructions about how to help others along. And the first thing he says, they warn those who are idle. Warn those who are idle, those who are not growing, those who may be careless about their faith, those who are, the picture is here is out of line, being out of line, like a soldier out of rank. Um, and, you know, it could be like someone who refuses to walk in unity in the church, somebody who just re- always wants to have things stirred up. Hey, find those people, find those folks who are, uh, and, and come alongside them and warn them, hey, look, don't do this. Pastor Matt's been pointing out, uh, as we've been looking at um, uh, this house. He said, hey, look, we need to be a, a congregation that worships, a congregation that prays, a congregation that serves, a congregation that loves, a congregation that lives, and now today, a congregation that grows. You know, if, if somebody is, is refusing or failing to, to live out those things in their life, then we're to come alongside them and say, hey, look, let's, let's get in this. Let's get our head in the game. Let's, let's, let's pick up our game a little bit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, we're to spur each other on toward love and good deeds. And let us consider how many we, we, we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see that day approaching. Look, his heart was for us to come alongside a brother. And the word spur is just like you think about spur, spurring a horse. We're to, we're to sometimes, I mean, I am one of those people who needs a swift kick every once in a while. Um, most of us probably do, but he's saying, hey, look, let's come alongside each other and push each other, help each other, stand together with each other, and, and help those folks who are idle. The next is, he says, encourage the timid, encourage the timid. Uh, some of yours may say disheartened or faint-hearted. Uh, those who are ready to quit, those who are ready to throw in the towel, uh, model what it looks like to be a person of good courage. You know anybody who's discouraged in their faith? I bet we all do. I mean, we live in a crazy time. We live in a time where things are hard, where things are difficult, where things are uh, busy. I mean, financially, things are hard right now. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. There's, uh, uh, I talk to people every single week who either are losing their job, have lost their job, uh, are getting reassigned. I mean, it's, we live in a, it's a, it's a crazy time. There are people who are struggling in, in their personal life, but he's, he's, he's talking about people who are struggling in their spiritual life. You know, we, we all have relationships with folks that we are encouraging. We're trying to help along in their faith. Uh, if we don't win, we need those. But whether it's your, somebody who lives in your house, somebody with, with whom you work, somebody that sits next to you in your class, man, we need to be encouraging those folks who are disheartened and model what it looks like. Um, be, be a mentor to somebody. This is what it looks like to uh, come alongside and encourage uh, people who are struggling, people who are maybe not walking where they need to in their faith. And then he says, help the weak. Don't let them fall. Those who are spiritually weak or immature or, uh, in their faith journey, maybe, maybe a new believer, we, we just encourage them to put our arm around them and help them to be strong, to teach them, to disciple them. So he's, he's given us this, all right, look, warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak. So how we deal with um, and, and, and encouraging us to how we get along with others. And then he says, hey, look, as, as we do that, when we deal with other people, here's what we got to be. Here's what we got to do. So, and I, the first one, he just, Paul just gets all up in my business all the time. Um, there's some things that I'm incredibly patient about. And there's some things that I'm incredibly not patient about. But he says, be patient with everyone. Everybody? I mean, there's some people just hard to be patient, aren't there? If you don't think there are, then you may be that person. Um, 
there are some folks just hard to be patient with, right? But in Colossians chapter 3, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, <laughs> um, I think sometimes we forget how much God has forgiven us. How good God has been to us. How good he has been in forgiving us. Well, I'm going to stay mad at that person or I'm going to be upset with that person. You know, he says we need to forgive the way he did. Brother Matt talked about it a couple of weeks ago. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Look, we're to be patient with each other. So as we're, as we're walking together as the body of Christ, as we're walking together in family, we have to be patient with each other. Um, our children are going to disappoint us. Kids, your parents are going to disappoint you. They're going to do things um, uh, we all do. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our children. We do that with people that we work with. We do that. We, we blow it, and we have to be patient and, and walk with each other in love. The next thing in here is serve with the right motives. He says, uh, <coughs> excuse me, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Look, he says, we're, we're to love everyone, especially those who are more difficult to love. We're to be quick to forgive, and, we, and we're not to repay evil for evil or wrong for wrong. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 17, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's everybody. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, uh, and he's quoting from the Proverbs, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's hungry, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, our nature is when somebody gets in my business, when somebody does something to hurt me, when somebody does something uh, to, to, to harm me, man, i got to get them back. I mean, that's our, that's our nature. i got to get them back. And, and Paul is saying, hey, look, that's not God's plan. That's not, we don't repay evil for evil. Um, <clears throat> I've been in a circumstance lately with a, a particular person who's just angry with me and uh, send me some uh, less than gracious messages and i've just responded uh did this last week with a message hey look if i've if i've done what you say i haven't um but uh, uh please forgive me and then i, I put the end of my text uh, this week was hey look i am so thankful for the grace of jesus christ that he's willing to forgive me uh when i do blow it and he, he offers that to all of us look when you do that i mean that's paul's instruction rather than getting back and and trying to to retaliate he says, look, let, leave room for God's wrath. Let God handle that. And you just, you're heaping coals. I mean, you're just, uh, you're, either, you're either putting out their fire or making it worse. But, you know, when we go back to them with grace, he says, we are to not repay evil for evil or wrong for wrong, but to always be kind to everyone. Uh, do your best to live at peace with everyone. Look, he's beginning to show up here, you know, Paul wrote Colossians as well, and he lists the fruits of the Spirit. Well, we're seeing that here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, he's putting all of those into this instruction to this young church. 
And then Paul moves to a focus on how we relate to God. So he's talked about how we, how we deal with people, how we encourage people, how we come alongside them, and how we do that with a patient heart and not retaliating. And then he says, look, be joyful. <coughs> There's a lady in my home church uh, when I was growing up. She had a crummy life in a lot of ways. Um, a, a husband who was not a believer and who was a rather mean person uh, to her and to others. And uh, this kind, she just passed away about a year and a half ago. But this kind, gentle, gracious lady, never, since I was about seven, she, never did I see her that she didn't say, Ricky, I just want you to know I pray for you every week. Kind and gracious and tender. And y'all, she had a crummy life in a lot of ways, but she had more joy. It was just the neatest thing. Uh, to see her walk with the Lord, to see her love people, to see her love children. She had an incredible joy. Nehemiah in chapter 8, I mean, they're in this process of building the wall and things are not going uh, the way. They, I mean, they're having to, to wear a sword to protect themselves while they're trying to do the work. And Nehemiah says, hey, look, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord takes away that burden of serving God and his people. Um, being joyful doesn't always mean happy and peppy and bursting with love. That doesn't mean uh, bouncing around all the time. Being joyful is having a sincere, joy-filled heart. And then he says pray continually or pray constantly. It's basically keeping the line open, uh, having a, a prayerful attitude all the time. You know, it's like having God in your favorites on your phone. I put, left my phone over there, but, you know, if you open up, uh, I can go to my favorites, and I can just one tap and touch, and there's a number of folks uh, all of my family and all of our staff, I can just touch it and call them. Well, that's kind of that picture. You know, we're not, it's not walking around on our knees all the time. Uh, although I've read of, uh, in, uh, uh, of a group of monks who do that. They literally, because it says to pray continually, they walk around every day, all day long on their knees. Uh, not real sure that's the picture here. I think it's a picture of saying, hey, look, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Man, just always be where you can say, Lord, I need your help here. Lord, bless that person. Lord, would you walk with me to be continually open to, continually ready to pray and talk to him. And he says, don't put out the, the fire of, of God's spirit. Don't squelch the spirit uh, when the spirit is working in the lives of others. Um, I, I just can't help my, I, I've shared this with you before, but uh, um, There are joy suckers in this world who just can't stand it for anything good to happen, it seems like. Um, hate to see God really blessing and doing something, and they just, poor God. I mean, that's, that's what he's talking about. Don't, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't put that. When, when God's at work in somebody and they're, they're excited about their faith, man, don't encourage them. Don't, don't pour that out. Don't put that out. Um, Sin in our lives can squelch the work of the Holy Spirit. When we, when we allow sin to, to be a part of who we are, it can squelch the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, uh, you know, it's when, when, we're discounting, um, when we're discounting God's work in somebody's life, we're just like pouring out, um, pouring water on what the Spirit's doing. And then he says, be thankful. Express our love and gratitude to the Lord. Uh, we're told over and over and over to come before the Lord with thanksgiving, to enter in His courts with praise. And, uh, and, you know, we're in Psalm chapter 100. You know, come before the Lord with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Um, we, we're to be thankful. I mean, over and over and over when we look at the Lord's Prayer. When we, I mean, everywhere we see prayer, Paul over and over and over says, be thankful. 
You know, it is amazing sometimes when we get to really feeling down, we get to feeling kind of bluesy, when we get to a point where we get real turned inward. Uh, I share with people all the time, it's amazing when you take a, just take a, uh, a legal pad or a sheet of notebook paper or a note on your phone. Uh, I, I like it with ink. Let's just start writing down all the things you've got to be thankful for. Family, clothes, friends, medicine, good doctors, awesome church family, grow group classes. I mean, you start, and you start, you know, when you start listening, and you say, man, God is so good to me. God is so good to me. When God brings joy into our lives, I, I'm going to put Craig on the spot here. I thank the Lord for Craig every week because Craig gives me a hug. We say happy, happy Sunday every Sunday. I know Craig is going to, hey, Craig, how's it going, man? <laughs> hey, buddy, good morning. Hey. I love Craig. I am thankful for Craig because Craig, I love you too. He, he brings so much joy to the world. I am thankful for that. I am thankful. But you, you start listing those kind of people in your life, those people who bring joy in your life. You know, pretty soon you realize, man, life's pretty good. Yeah, I'm in this situation. I'm in this, this kind of funk right now. But life is good. God is good. And he blesses me. And then we're to, we're to honor God's word. Look, as, as we keep on reading here, let me just go back and read 16 and 17 again. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, <coughs> for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, verse 19, and do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to what is good, and avoid every kind of evil. Look, I, I read a good bit in commentaries this week and most of the writers feel like when he's talking about prophecies he could be talking about people who stand and and prophesy uh, but most of them feel like he's talking about God's word their their scripture their bible was some or some of them maybe nearly all of the old testament we have those prophecies he's talking about don't don't mistreat don't hold in contempt God's word you know without God's word we don't have a written revelation we don't have a word about who God is and how he wants to live in us and then we're to test everything according to God's word not according to how I feel not according to what brother Ricky or pastor Matt or somebody else says we're to test those things by God's word and make sure that they hold up to it because his word is faithful Uh, we need to be faithful to teach it but we also need to be able to test where we are here so we're to hold on to it and avoid what is evil and not true, uh, and not true to God's word. And we, we live in a world filled with sin, but we're to avoid being drawn into that sin. So, and then he gets to the closing prayer. Verse 23 and 24. Let me read that for us real quickly. My God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Look. May God's peace sanctify you. That's the word there. May God's peace, may the God of peace sanctify you through and through, spirit, soul, and body, our entire being. His desire is for his people to continue this process of sanctifying us as believers. Just in several different translations here, uh, may may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until 
we meet Jesus. The King James Version, and may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. In the ESV, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. In the New Living Translation, now may the God of peace make you whole in every way. The message, may God himself, the God who makes everything whole, make you holy and whole. And J.B. Phillips, may the God of peace make you holy through and through. Paul's heart was for us to keep making us holy, for God to keep growing us, for God to keep working in us, to help us learn how to how we should look, think, and act more like Christ. See, at, at the point of salvation, there's the word justification. There's a one-time deal, a one-time deal where God makes us righteous, where God gives us that salvation. But at that point, the sanctification process carries on until we're glorified. When we meet God, when we meet Him, and we, we receive our glorified bodies, and, we, and we, we join Him in heaven, until that day, hopefully... We're in this ongoing process where we continue. We never stop this growing process. It's a continuous process. It's present, but it's ongoing. And how do we know that that's what we're supposed to do? I'm just, I'm just going to share with you several scriptures here. Second Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory now and forever. Amen. Psalm 1, 1 to 3, Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat with the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and his, on his law he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and, be, and please him in every good way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. John 15, 5, that where Jesus is talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. You need to stay connected to me. You need to stay involved with me you need to stay connected to me so that you can grow in romans chapter 12 1 and 2 therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will we are transformed in the renewing of our mind by spending time in god's word we he, he's given us that he says don't don't have contempt toward his word without god's word and without our prayer life man we are sunk in this growing re relationship in this growing and he says look as you as you spend time in the word then our minds are transformed do, do you guys remember i think it's going to be on the screen here do you remember the, this little pen P B P G I N F W M Y. you remember that when i was a teenager went to uh the bill gothard institute and youth con i think that's what it was Bill Gothard did these conferences up in Memphis at a uh, uh, big conference center up there right by the 240 bridge. And I remember every year they'd give us one of these. It means, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. But it's really cool. You put that thing on. People looking. Because a little bitty pen, it wasn't about the size of a quarter. What is that? Well, please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Folks, we're in this growing sanctification process for him to continue to do that. In verse 24 here, he says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Look, Philippians chapter 1, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Look, that's God's heart. For We started this process with justification when we became believers and his heart is for us to continue growing. And he repeats it over and over and over. You think about our building process, project. If you've been over in the youth space and the children's space and the preschool space, it is so nice 
I mean, it's beautiful. It's so well done. It's so, it's just, it's incredible. But it's not complete because you've got to go around the world to get there right now. You've got a four-wheel drive around. We did get concrete poured over here to this, so going that way is a little easier. Um, we, it, we're going to have to replace all the wheels on our carts at the church when this is over because when you roll them across the gravel, it's just chewing up the rubber wheels. Um, but right now, it's, it's not complete. But y'all, one day, in, in by next summer, you're, you're going to pull in, and there's going to be a beautiful flat level parking lot right out here with, with handicapped parking on flat ground. That would be so weird. I've been here almost 20 years, and we've never had that. But there's going to be a beautiful parking space, and you come in, and then there's going to, you can come in over into that, uh, this new commons area. But when you walk out of here, you walk right out into the foyer, and there's going to be, right where the restrooms are now, there's going to be a staircase that goes down into this beautiful glass atrium uh, commons area, and you can walk down and go through there, and there'll be a ramp that goes down to our adult space under here, or you can go over there, and, and right up there is going to be our children in youth space, and right there is where you go into preschool, and right up the hall is where you go to the gym, and right there is where the fellowship hall is. You'll be able to get to everything so easy and nicely. Students and children, you'll be able to go out that door and turn and go up those steps, and there's going to be a walkway that goes over to the, to the upper foyer where the elevator is outside the children's space. It's going to be so nice when it's complete. It's going to be beautiful when it's complete, but we're not there yet. Well, that's a great picture of where we are. I mean, I, I, I'm... Turn 60 this week, and I'm so far from where I know God wants me to be in my walk with Him and my growing in Him and, and looking more like Him. And so He's encouraging us here. Hey, look, I, I want you to be like that building project. I want you to keep growing, keep, keep improving, keep getting to where you are. And, and one day, we're going to be completed. But until that day, we want to continue focusing on growing in our faith. We want to be a congregation that encourages our people to grow in their faith. We have challenged our teaching teams this year. Uh, I'll share this with you quickly. This is a challenge that we gave to them. Uh, we say, hey, we, we want you to focus on grow. G-R-O-W. We want you to focus on grow. And here's what that looks like. Um, we, we just said, hey, look, if, if, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So this is what we want to focus on. This is where we want to aim for as, as the body of Christ here. G-R-O-W. The first of those is grasping the truths of God's Word. Holding on to it. Getting a hold and hanging on to it. Uh, it's hearing it. Understanding it. Holding on to it. Believing it. And putting it to work in our lives. The word there is transformation. We want God's Word in our hearts to transform us, to help us to grow in Him. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, Then He came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is with us, and He is leading us. And that's His heart for us, to teach and to grow. And that's who we want to be. And our, the second one there is relationships. We want to be about relationships. Uh, I love my class. Um, we started our class two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. Y'all, it's the coolest group of people. It's the most incredible group of folks. They love each other. They're so good at, at just in, um, embracing each other and encouraging each other. I, I can't wait to get here to, on Sunday morning to teach. I can't wait. We, we have a group me thing. We have relationships. We love each other, and it's just the neatest thing. And that's if you're not involved in a grow group, man, we want you to plug in because of those relationships. You have people that you can count on. Uh, Brother Chad used to say, hey, look, if you can only give us one hour a week, then I want you to come to, to Sunday school or to grow groups. 
Because that's where you make connections and that's where you get involved in ministry. Again, Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, some in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more until the day we see the day approaching. Look, that's our role. We're supposed to be doing that. Building those relationships. Colossians chapter 3 says, Therefore as God's chosen people. Just watch this, this picture of, of, of loving each other and relating to each other. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you. Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now the next one is connecting. Um, that, that word just for those relationships. We want people to connect and, and, and grow together. The next thing is outward focus. We, we, we want to invite lost people here. We want to invite people who are not a part of the church to to. To, to come and be a part of what we're doing. We want to we want to be able to share our testimonies. I encourage, uh, your teachers may put you on the spot here in the next few weeks. I encourage them to encourage you to share your testimonies in your classes. You know, let's, be, let's get to a place where we're comfortable. Just, this is how God's at work in my life. This is how God saved me. This is how God is, is doing what he does in my heart. And we welcome people in. Uh, we go back to the Great Commission. We're to disciple all nations, and that starts with the folks who live on our street and the folks who work with us and the people who are involved in our lives. So the word there is outreach. And then finally, a willingness to serve. Serving outside of our class. We want to encourage our folks to plug into ministry. Um, you got greeter ministry and security. you got all, folks who are plugged into ministry all over our church. And, you know, it's just the neatest thing to see how many people are working, have, are sharing. Uh, there's some folks in here who, who need a... We, Brother Matt talked about it recently about serving. I mean, there's some folks who need to say, I, I need to go serve. And we, we've had to do that in our class. We had to... It's kind of like, oh, man. But... Rather than being, oh, man, we want to be like, oh, our folks are going and serving somewhere else. We're increasing the footprint of our class. And uh, whether it's helping in preschool or helping in another area or working somewhere else, we're, ex we're expanding the footprint of our class. People are willing to serve. And we want our classes to find a place to do ministry outside of the church, to minister to people in our community and make an impact for us. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20, he says, no one... Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we're going to look, think, and act more like Jesus, we have to become people with a servant's heart. The word there is ministry. So, grasping the truth of God's word, relating, re relationships with the other people, outward focus and willingness to serve. Look, we all want to grow in our Bible study groups, um, there, there's an insert in your, in your Connect Guide today. If you're not connected to a, a Bible study, those are listed there. There's there Sunday morning, there's Wednesday night, there's other places there that you can... If you're not connected, I'd love to help you find a place to, to connect to a, a grow group this morning. I'm going to hang around after the service, and if you are not, man, I'll, I'll help you find a place. If you'll come down, I'll help you find a place to study God's Word and get connected in ministry. Uh, God's heart is for us to grow in relationship with Him. Um, and that doesn't happen... It's, it's the decision we have to make about growing that relationship. So question for you is where, where are you now? Where are you in that process? Where are you in the process of growing? Are you growing? Uh, things are changing. That's inevitable. 
Growing is optional. Have you made the decision to intentionally grow in your faith? Uh, I, I read a story this week. Pablo uh, Casals was considered to be the greatest cellist to ever live. He was born in Spain in uh, 1876, I believe it was. And uh, he saw a guy playing the cello and became intrigued with it. His dad really wanted him to be a carpenter. But he asked his dad about it, so his dad built him a cello. And he began to play. And he began to learn. And instead of going into um, a, a school to learn to be a carpenter, his mom enrolled him in a, in a music school in Madrid, Spain. And he learned, and he learned, and he learned, and became the most renowned cellist in the world at the time. And he was asked, I mean, he played concerts all over the world. He, he raised money for people who were, um, who were oppressed. And when he's, when he's 95 years old, 96 years old, he was interviewed, and he asked, why at 96 do you, do you practice six hours every day? And he said, this is his, this is his exact word, he said, because I think I'm making progress. He's the greatest in the world, but I think I'm making progress. Are you making progress? Are, are, you, are, you, are you growing or are you stagnant? Are you strengthening or are you stalling? Why not commit to the Lord today to say, I, I want to grow in my faith. I want to commit to you that I'm going to, I'm going to dig in more. I'm going to make time. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make time to, to walk with you personally in your word, to, to uh, be patient with others, to encourage each other, to encourage others and to be encouraged. I want to grow in my faith. I want to get plugged into a, to a Bible study group and, and grow in my faith. That's his desire for all of us today. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to have a, a moment of decision. Um, I share with you all the time. I believe every time we meet together, there's a decision that we all make in our hearts, and, and most of those decisions are made right where you are. Just to commit to the Lord, I, I really want to, I want to grow in my faith. I want to walk with you in deeper relationship. I want to know you more. I want to know you better. I want to, I, I want to look, think, and act more like Jesus I'll commit to more time this week I'll commit to, to taking some time to pray every day I'll commit to, to spending some time in your word every day I'll, I'll commit to, to listen to a podcast that'll, that'll encourage me in my faith or listen to your word on the radio I can, you can play it on an app on your phone while you're going to work whatever that looks like Lord I'll, I'll commit to this that, that maybe is the commitment you need to make where you are today. Lord, I just want to grow in my faith. I, maybe I want to not be stagnant. I want to be growing, strengthening, not stalling. Whatever that looks like, you can make that commitment where you are. But if there's a commitment you need to make to the church, say, hey, look, I've been visiting here a while. I, this, is, this is where I want to be. This is where God's leading me to be a member. Then we, we'd love for you to come and share that with the congregation. That'd be a great encouragement today. If you would like to pray with one of us, several of us will be here at the front. We'd love to, to pray with you. Uh, if there's any decision, if you say, you know, I, I really have never begun a faith walk with Jesus. I've never started that relationship. I can't grow because I've never started. I've never asked Jesus into my heart. We'd love to walk you through that this morning and share with you how that looks. Whatever the decision is you make, whether you make it where you are, right, we're going to do that. We're not going to be long, but um, 
we'll just pray that God does what only He can do. Father, thank You for these few minutes. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You that it never returns void. And thank You for Paul encouraging that congregation uh, in Thessalonica and encouraging this congregation in Tupelo to walk with You, to, to, to walk deeper in our faith, to walk closer with You in our walk with Jesus. Lord, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. And now we pray that it, as it percolates in who we are, that You would just help us to move to a place where we look, think, and act more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.